Hey, welcome back to Bankrupt Overland. Uh, it's LJ here, your host, and I've got Stephen with me again, and we have a special guest, uh, Eric, with Prius Off-Road. What's going on, Eric? What's going on? I've definitely been called special a few times, but I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I like it. I like it. <laughs> Um, so, uh, as we've talked about in a couple of our episodes, uh, that we've got out right now is, is we want to, we want to dive in and, and one, just talk about general overlanding, getting out, exploring nature, and just kind of, kind of not being, not being contained to being indoors and, and kind of your standard stuff to get out. And so one of those key, uh, I guess, avenues or, or limbs we wanted to break off is to talk to people, um, that, that might not utilize the, the industry standard, big off-road vehicle, your, you know, your power wagons or anything like that. Um, I'm sure we'll have some power wagon folks on at some point, but I'm not as excited to talk to them as I am to talk to Eric today, because uh, what Eric does is he helps people get out and, and explore in their Prius vehicles. Uh, I said that right, a Prius. Um, and so we, I found <laughs> Eric, uh, it's a funny story. We were, uh, I was, mindlessly scrolling on Instagram as I tried not to do so much in my life, but I, I was, I was scrolling through and I saw a Prius with the same rooftop tent that I, I use on my Land Cruiser. And I was like, this is so cool. And then of course, 30 minutes later, I'm in a rabbit hole. I'm probably a year deep in Eric's post, <laughs> checking it out. Um, and so he doesn't try not to it. like anything. <laughs> Just stalking, not liking anything. That's right. Um, and, uh, um, and, and kind of got the idea, like what, like, you know, he's doing, he's doing lift kits. He is uh, getting rooftop tent set on. And so this guy it, it appears, what I see is as kind of the expert in getting getting out in your Prius. And so I don't want to give too much away um, of what we're going to talk about today, but I did want to give a brief introduction and then, um, yeah, just kind of dive into it. And so, Eric, if you don't mind, take us through, um, you know, what you do with Prius Off-Road and, and kind of what, what, what your mission is right now. Absolutely. No, that's all smoke and mirrors, man. Nothing's even happened yet. No, just kidding. Uh, I'm all for the stalking silently. It's the uh, the haters that really get at me. I guess just being in the infancy of the company and taking everything personally and whatnot. But there's been a lot of love for it too. Obviously, uh, Prius Off-Road kind of is a bit of an oxymoron to most people and unheard of until, you know, six months ago really when we started up. So uh, we're definitely trying to get it out there to the public. And, you know, the whole point for me is to get people out there using the vehicle that they've got I'm fortunate I've had, you know, access to building pre-runners and lifted trucks and diesels the majority of my adult life. But um, up until about three years ago, you know, that was kind of where I was at. And then I got a Prius and was like, man, I don't even want to be seen in this thing. But <laughs> it slowly became like I hated to admit it, but I actually enjoy driving it more often than my truck, especially for a community around town or even long distance <laughs> trips. So, you know, I started I built a kit for myself probably four years ago. And then I uh, kept having people stop me at intersections and leaving notes on my car when I was parked or hitting me up at gas stations and being like, dude, is that lifted? Can I, can you build me one? And at first I kind of thought people were, you know, pulling my chain or giving me a hard time or whatnot passive aggressively. But uh, finally I started taking numbers down. I was like, you know, I got like 20 people that say they want to lift. Maybe I'll hit them back up and do it. So I did that and first round went really well. And then um, when COVID started, is when my other business, I have another business called Sticky Whips, who do suction cup flag mounts. So I used to live down at Pismo Beach. And uh, in order to go out to there, majority of off-road vehicle places, I'm sure you guys know too, you have to display a flag on a lot of vehicles. And unless you want to drill holes or duct tape or zip ties or something like that, there's really no good way to mount them. So I sat down 
shoot probably nine years ago now and just went, man, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And Pismo has always been under the gun as far as wanting to get shut down and they're looking for any reason they can, you know, before mm-hmm. it used to be snowy plovers and then it was steelhead trout and it's been something or other for the past, since I can remember when I was a little kid. So my, my thought was always like, man, people are always getting hurt out here on busy weekends. A lot of them don't have flags and you're supposed to display them, but it's such a pain in the butt to do it. So I just invented a suction cup flag mount and started rolling with that. And that's what I've been doing wow. pretty much full time the past, the uh, past nine years or so. But then when COVID started and, uh, you know, all the state parks and whatnot got shut down, mm-hmm. my business dried up and stopped. So I was like, man, either I can just kind of go belly up here and admit defeat or start listening to the public and do what they want and start building Prius lift kits. So boom, Prius off-road is born. Amazing. <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, yeah. It, it, it's funny because we're, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a businessman myself and I'm always trying to find kind of how do you get out and, and not be relying on someone else to support your family yeah. and, and, and just kind of find ways to, to be your own, your, your own business essentially. And so super cool Easter egg to hear. Uh, I, we had no idea about the, the, the flag mount business. And so that was a nice Easter yeah. egg to hear about and kind of, and kind of hear how you took, you know, uh, COVID and, and, and what could have been the end of your, of your own business and, and really doubled down and, and found another way to serve the, the, the outdoor and off-road community. So I think that's super, super cool, man. And thanks for telling us that story. Um, and, and so, sure. So how does so how does one go from building diesels and, and, and pre-runners and I know we got a little bit of a, of a conversation of, of the, the the customer input right to get it to it but how do you take that knowledge and and, and then twist it over into uh, you know doing lift kits for Priuses and stuff because what I didn't realize is I didn't realize is, are you building the lift kits yourself manufacturing yourself Yeah every single thing that you see on my site and come out of our shop is all done by myself I'm a one man show and. I've tried hiring a handful of people so far, but I've just had a really hard time finding skilled labor that's willing to take the attention to detail and take the time to do it right. And, you know, being so young in this industry, time-wise, you know, in the infancy of a company, I'm so crucial in quality and customer service, and I can't have mistakes happening. I want everything to go right and look good. And um, so I've kind of relinquished all of that responsibility myself and created my own bottleneck for myself in the same time. But, uh, you know, like right now, I think we're on like a three week lead time for <clears throat> lift kits. And, you know, when I first started up, we were doing plasma cut in-house CNC. And then I decided mm-hmm. oh, I want to get a little bit more attention to detail and do laser cut instead of plasma. So I had to sub that out because I can't afford a $500,000 laser yet. Not yet. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. Hopefully. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was initially painting them in-house and I'm like, God, I got to do powder coat, start doing powder coat, have that done out of house too. So those kind of created a little bit of lag time um, for me, but you know, right now we're trying to keep inventory on the shelf, but our Gen 3s, especially the 2010 to 2015s, have just been flying off the shelf quicker than I can make them. So we're doing batches of, you know, about 50 at a time or so, and they're sold out before we get them back from powder. So good problems to have, but definitely uh, growing pains and learning as we go. But as far as how we got here, you know, I, uh, like I said, I used to build pre-runners and diesel trucks, and I'm, I'm big on Dodges was kind of my thing, Rams, and I don't know if you heard of Thurin or uh, Carly. Those are kind of the two main people that I, I relied on to build my trucks or at least the parts. And Don Thurin's up in mm-hmm. Bend, Oregon. He's just a mastermind, just genius, basically, and super approachable and high attention to detail and just very, very knowledgeable about anything, not just Dodges, but he specializes in Dodges. So I, you know, worked with him a little bit on some stuff with truck parts. And, you know, my, uh, I was, I got married probably 
I don't know, six years ago now. And shortly after that had a son. Um, and by about six months after he was born, my ex-wife and I separated and she moved up to Chico and I was down in Pismo. So I was like commuting every weekend to see him driving my diesel truck. And I had a 2015 Audi A6 TDI, which is a great car, but I was just like, man, I'm putting a thousand miles a weekend on this car and it's just Mm -hmm. appreciating so much. And it cost me a fortune to drive my Dodge. So I was like, I'm going to buy a commuter. And I went through like, yeah, I got a Mazda 3, a Mazda Protégé, uh, a Civic, and a couple other things. And then it got to the point where I was like, gosh, I, I'm wasting all this money on a hotel. I kind of need a car I can sleep in, too. And so I was like, man, I see these people sleeping in Priuses. And I'm not a small guy, and I'm skinny, but I'm six foot, you know, six foot one. So um, I needed something with I could stretch out in and was like, man, I hate to admit it, but the Prius kind of fits the bill for everything I need at 50 miles of the gallon, and I can sleep in it comfortably. And like, well, here we go. So I bought a Prius, and first thing I noticed was like gosh this thing is so ridiculously low bottoming out on speed bumps and driveway mm-hmm. approaches and you know parking curbs and stuff like that especially going from a truck on 37s and to that was just like <laughs> a learning curve for me so uh first thing I did was put a lift on it but um yeah there's really been no looking back and it really worked out well because I'm also like an outdoor adventure enthusiast basically I base jump I skydive a downhill mountain bike motocross all that so I'd use my Prius to go you know, random weekends, I'd head out to Moab or head out to Notch Peak, Utah or something like that. And I drive a thousand miles of highway and then I'd need five miles of my truck, mm. but I didn't want to justify spending all the gas and driving my truck there. And so finally, I was like, you know what, I, we kind of work all around. So just designed a lift for it and no turning back since then. You've, you've got me That's thinking amazing. about, I, I need a Prius now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I'm telling you, don't Especially not once you said that gas mileage. Yeah. Yeah. And even, I mean, after you do a lift in tires, the tires are really what kill it. The lift doesn't, we've been seeing no negative results of the lift, which is great. We've even got a couple like hypermilers that are like, dude, my fuel economy went up. And I'm like, mm, I'm not going to advertise that one, but I'm thinking maybe, okay, there's slowing down less for bumps and approaches and stuff and using less regenerative braking and something along those lines. But either way, we haven't seen a reduction of fuel economy, which obviously when you lift a truck, the first thing to go, even if you do a minor two inch lift is fuel economy, but we haven't seen any reduction with just the lift, but um, once you start putting oversized tires on, you got more rolling mass and more uh, more friction from the wider footprint and all that. It definitely takes its toll, but you can still easily get 40 plus miles per gallon out of something with a 27 inch tire and an inch and a half lift. So still a good fit all around. Yeah. I'm struggling at a uh, 10 miles per gallon right now. I wasn't that bad in the diesel, but 10 pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, and abysmal. <laughs> yeah. I had a, uh, a 74 F100 before the Dodge. Well, actually, I had it during the same time as the Dodge. 74 with a five, uh, 540 stroker, but um, I converted it to TTB and caged it, and you know, it was it was a beast, wow. but it was like four miles to the gallon. So I feel your pain. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So, so the question that I know everybody wants to know is what is the largest tire you can fit on a stock Prius? And then what is the largest <laughs> tire you can fit on a lifted Prius? Right. You know, it kind of varies generation <laughs> by generation. Like that one that you saw with the rooftop tent, that's a gen one, which is 2000, 2003. Uh, those are pretty much like a 25 or a 26 is kind of max. Okay. Basically you just add two inches to your OEM equipment um mm-hmm. tire size and that's essentially what you can run so like on my gen 3 and gen 4 you can fit a 27 inch tire comfortably 
that still leaves you a little bit of room for, you know, clearing mud or if you wanted to run chains in, in wintertime or, you know, rocks and debris and stuff like that that mm. gets between the tire. Um, the real limiting factor is the top of the tire where it hits the bottom of the strut spring retainer. So that's a limiting factor. It's not so much wheel well or anything like that, but it's actually a limiting factor there. So if you ran a, a bigger offset or something, you could actually clear a bigger tire, but it's not something we really promote oh. or suggest. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, I, I, I have a, a few hammer marks on the inside of my Land Cruiser wheel wells from yeah. <laughs> my 35s that, that, that uh, <laughs> I put on in my garage here and, uh, and you know, beat, beat in the, the pinch welds and, and got it all there. So we're, I work at a shop called Slag Factory when I'm not doing Prius off-road and sticky whips and we build Toyota rock crawlers and whatnot. So it's definitely interesting looking at that. And we're no stranger to getting a, uh, a 10 pound sledge and making it fit so yeah yeah so so you're seeing uh you know you say you're about three weeks lead time right now you know that's that i feel like that's a pretty healthy healthy lead time for for a business of your nature um what you know what is the what's the what's the overall goal or are, are you are you going to start doing some some prius meetups or, or are you kind of building your own little community up there um kind of what's What's happened over the last six months as this thing's grew and, and kind of what do you, where, where do you see it going as well? Yeah, you know, unfortunately, uh, up in Chico, there's not too much of a community. We're kind of in the middle of nowhere up here, um, you know, an hour and a half north of Sacramento, but it's never like, hey, I'm passing through Chico. I'm going to stop on by. It's, it's a destination <laughs> to get here. But um, that's not held us back as far as meetups and whatnot. We haven't scheduled anything personally, but there's definitely several customers that have really gone above and beyond as far as getting people together and they do like weekly meetups and most of them work remotely so wow. i think they're in the grand canyon yesterday and today and they're heading back and probably going to hit several places on the way back but it's literally every single weekend and these guys are really setting the bar they're making me look like nothing as far as how deep they're getting into <laughs> it but the lift is just a, a facil facilitator for them getting these spots but um, one of the guys just wired up a winch behind the bumper this past saw weekend. that. Yeah. <laughs> I saw Pretty that. Cool, yeah, yeah, that was so cool. <laughs> yeah. And it looks so clean too. And he just, you know, yeah, didn't, didn't tell me anything about it and just saw that video. I was like, no way. Congrats. That's <laughs> legit. So I'm definitely gonna have to do that on our all wheel drive. We've got a 2019 all wheel drive Prius that I think that would go well yeah. with. So what, what size winch goes on a Prius? Well, you know, he did a uh, 3,500 pound winch, which obviously you want to have, I think it's a time and a half of your weight. So Fabrice's weight just shy of three. So realistically, you should probably have a 4,500 pound minimum, but chances of needing it are probably pretty slim. I know a couple of times those guys have gotten stuck. It's usually been in like sand and just needing to get tugged out by another vehicle. Mm -hmm. So um, it'll probably fit the bill for what he needs, but I think I'm going to probably make one on mine in the near future. And I'll probably go with a 45 or 5,500 just to be safe and try and go with, I know some of the new Warrens are pretty uh, compact and pretty powerful too. So. So what, That's um, what I was wondering was, you know, having that, that space in that front bumper um, has got to be tight, you know, up against the radiator or whatever. Yeah. He hasn't sent me any uh, mm -hmm. details on how he's did. He's keeping a pretty tight lift right now, <laughs> but uh, I have a feeling he probably removed like the crunch bar out front and replaced it with mm, something okay. else, which isn't something that sure. we'd want to get into just for uh, DOT liability issues and all that. But sure. something that I'd be willing to look at and see, uh, pull it off and see what space we are working with and if something could be done. Yeah. Nice, nice. So what, um, as, as you've started, started kind of growing into and, and, and doing these lift kits, 
what what challenges have you had to overcome from from either OEM specifications and kind of working in what you're doing? You know, I think the biggest issues so far has been uh, going back and forth between metric and imperial. You know, so many of the parts, obviously, all the studs and whatnot are all metric, which are hard to get here in the states. And the studs that I could get had too long of a neural, and so. If on some vehicles, if you didn't have a washer between the top of the nut and the stud, then it would bottom out before hitting it. So we actually had to purchase our own mold uh, for both the M8 and M10 studs and start making them ourselves, which obviously isn't cheap. Um, and was something that I, you know, at first I was doing with washers and I just wasn't happy with the quality of that. Even though Toyota uses washers on two of the six studs up front on their Gen 4s, I just wasn't stoked on it. So I wanted to get away from that and started doing about washers, but that's been a headache. Um, you know, issues with getting DXF files read properly because of the fact that they're in in metric instead of Imperial. And, you know, I've had a handful of shops look at me and go, you know, we're American. We don't do metric here. We do Imperial. So you're gonna have to redo those. And I'm like, yeah, it's, it's literally a button on your, your, uh, your CAD <laughs> file. So stuff like that. Um, obviously backups with the holidays and COVID and uh, metal prices are through the roof right now and shipping issues with um, same thing COVID related obviously things taking a long mm-hmm. a lot longer getting lost there's definitely been a handful of challenges I've tried to uh, mitigate as many of them as possible doing as much myself but uh, the more we grow the more we're going to run into and I just growing pains and having a company before I get that and it's all stuff I can deal with and work with work around but um, we're getting we're finding our groove and we're getting things dialed and and growing at a great pace. So I'm, I'm definitely happy with the route we're heading and how everything's looking so far. What I find so incredible is that, uh, you know, I was looking at your site um, before our call and uh, I mean, you, I think all the generations, it's like $300 for a lift kit. Like just, you're talking about laser cutting, powder cutting, basically yeah. an all-in-one kit and you're able to come in at that price point. That's incredible, man. Yeah, I, I mean, shot myself maybe it's part of being a one-man show, but. Yeah, well, that's kind of why I'm able to do it. And that's what's held me back to being able to really hire mm-hmm. somebody full-time. And I'll probably end up bumping prices up 50 bucks in the near future. But my whole goal with this is yeah. to make it affordable for everybody out there. Like, I don't want to price myself out of the market and have people be like, oh, I wish I could afford that. I'd love to do it. But, you know, Prius is a reasonably priced vehicle. It's not like they're super yeah. expensive. And I want to make sure that people that have them can afford them. And if that means putting less money in my pocket, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, my whole goal is Man, that's to get awesome. rich. I just want to have people out there enjoying the vehicle that they have and, you know, see the places that sure. are right at our doorstep. I'm fortunate to have traveled a lot of places in the world. And every time I come home and I'm like, man, we are very fortunate to live where we do. And there's always stuff in your backyard mm-hmm. to check out as well. So, um, and also when I started that price of two ninety nine per kit, everything was done in house. So I didn't have the additional fees of powder coating and laser <laughs> So it's sure. just taken away more from my profit, but like I said, that's okay for right now. And if I need to bump prices a little bit in the near future, I definitely, uh, I definitely will. But my goal is to try and make it affordable for everybody. Well, it's interesting because kind of the whole market is going anything that's metal, right? You're talking uh, go fast campers, um, how you cap stuff. I mean, anything that's made from metal, the prices are going up. I guess yeah. it's the whole trade thing. So I mean, but even at, even at three hundred fifty dollars. You get more capability. You get a little bit of lift. I mean, I think that's incredible. And then hats off to you for coming up with the system that's not going to break the bank. That allows people to yeah. get a little bit further off road. It's so cool. I love it. Yeah, definitely. I definitely looked at uh, you know a lot of the Subaru market. It's, it's crazy to look at specs of the Prius and the Crosstrek, and they're so comparable, really. And people would never really think it. 
I wouldn't say they're comfortable sure. as far as performance wise. You're obviously a lot better off if off-roading is your primary focus and goal and concern than absolutely go with something like a Subaru or whatnot. But if you just want to add a little bit more clearance to a Prius and get crazy good gas mileage and Toyota reliability and be able to go bomb down yeah. fire roads and, you know, enjoy the weekends camping and BLM land and whatnot, then the Prius is an incredibly versatile platform and so underrated, um, you know, to have to the ability to sleep at six feet tall comfortably in the back and to be able to run it all night long, whether it's hot or cold and have air conditioning and heating, you know, is, is, unmatched with anything else out there and i know subaru just started doing the hybrid uh cross trick as well so that'll probably be some competition but i think previous haven't done it for so long and being one of the first in the game to do it just has kind of a leg up in that category absolutely so is there is there any plans for um any other uh small vehicle platforms that that might not currently be be known you know obviously the the subaru name is is a name notorious with being able to to be in a, a smaller vehicle and get out with their their all-wheel drive platform and 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 kind of the, just just the legacy they have and so are there any other plans for any other small vehicle uh platforms that you want to you're, you're thinking about adding in here yeah definitely uh you know subaru is one of those things like I got into the Prius market because there's nobody doing it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to start mm -hmm. stepping on anybody's toes. There's a lot of great companies out there already doing stuff and offering stuff for other platforms. I want to be kind of the less known oxymoron, if you will, um, the vehicles that people <laughs> wouldn't think to lift, but people go, man, I really could actually use a little bit of a lift on that. So yeah. we've got uh, kits coming out for the Prius C we just wrapped up, the CT200H, uh, Lexus's little compact um, coupe or four-door actually sedan. oh cool yeah um corolla well, uh, two generations of corolla actually and then a couple other more in the works but those are getting ready to be dropped probably in the next three months we're all through r d and testing them and, and fit up and whatnot it's just right now focusing on getting inventory on the shelf you know once i'm able to get gen 3 specifically i'm, I'm i've got gen 1 2 and 4 on the shelf and ready to go but gen 3s are just like i can't make them fast enough so once I've got inventory on the shelf, I'm going to start dropping other kits and uh, go from there. But Prius C, I just wrapped up this weekend, and that'll probably be released in like the next three weeks or a month. And then after that, it's going to be a new kit every month, basically for the next six months or so, and then see where I'm at and what I can handle. That's awesome. And so uh, for the folks listening, do they have to come to your shop to get these lifts or can they just place an order and then, you know, or is there a way for them to do that on their own with, uh, with, with some special tools or anything? Absolutely. Yeah. We've got uh, instructional videos on our website, kind of step-by-step -step process that realistically, like if you are somewhat mechanically inclined, you can do it yourself in your driveway. And our videos make it very, very simple for the average at home, do it yourself or to do it themselves. Um, and if you're not capable of doing it yourself, yeah, this is definitely something that you can take down to your local brake and alignment shop, suspension shop and say, hey, I want to get this installed. We initially didn't plan on doing installs at all. And that was something that we started doing kind of out of necessity. I kept getting customers call and be like, hey, you know, I can't find anybody or they're not willing to do it. Or every time I call and say, hey, I want to get my Prius lifted, like, oh, it can't be done. Like, oh, well, I bought this kit <laughs> offline, Prius off-road. I never heard of it. Not willing to, not interested. Right. Or right. they'd be like, okay, yeah, we'll do it, but it's going to be a thousand bucks. Like, oh, we know he charges 300 bucks to do it. So uh, that's high. We're like, well, we don't know what we're getting into. So we want to give it a, enough cushion. And so I kept getting customers calling and be like, hey, I'm getting these crazy quotes or can't find anybody to do it. Would you be willing to do it? And my whole purpose of doing lifts installs was that I don't want to see the customer get gouged. You know, if I'm sitting here making sure that everybody can afford it and not padding my pockets and then everybody else is going to take advantage mm -hmm. of them that kind of counteracts the, the purpose. So 
I just started doing it myself and, and, um, we probably do three lifts a week, something like that of installs. So I had a guy come today Whoa. who drove all the way from Florida of all places. Whoa. Uh, to get installed. Yeah. Pretty crazy. And I had someone come from, uh, Pennsylvania like a month ago. So, you know, it's, it's funny when you drive a Prius and you get 50 miles of the gallon looking at, Oh, I'm going to put 3000 miles on this weekend. Isn't so much of a factor of, can I afford it? It's like, Oh, how much do I feel like driving? And you know you obviously have your sleeping arrangements right behind you the whole time you're driving so it's not a, an issue there either so people look at distance a lot differently once you drive something like a prius i know myself included yeah i can see that because because i'm also in the 10 mile for or 10 miles per gallon camp and, uh, <laughs> yeah you know we've done a water bank trips and some different trips where you know 225 miles of the gallon or to, to the tank excuse me yeah is uh it 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 it, it eats at you after a while when those fill-ups are 50, 60 bucks a pop. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. And we got, you know, that's one downside is that the tanks on the Priuses are kind of small. They're nine gallon tanks. So even at 50 miles a gallon, you're not going all that far, you know, you're not getting crazy good range. Um, especially once you do lifting tires and you knock it down, you know, to 40, 42 miles per gallon, then you start looking at it a little differently and but 400 miles or so is pretty average and still gives you a decent ways, especially for 25 bucks or 20 bucks. I'm sure gas is a lot cheaper where you guys are at out than out here in California, but, uh, still reasonable. Uh, is there any, uh, long range fuel tank, uh, ideas in the world? I was going to say, it sounds like you can come up with, <laughs> uh, and I've looked at it so many times and I would love to, I just, um, I don't know enough about that field and I worry about uh, liability with, mm -hmm. you know, gas tanks and having to deal with the EPA and all that. So it's probably not something, it's not on my immediate horizon, but something I definitely considered. So you never know if the right person comes along and has experience with it. I'd love to team up with somebody or, um, you know, maybe someone will hear this in the right market and do it themselves. So I'm all for expanding and we've got a few products that we plan on releasing a lot as well as outside of kits. But, um, like I said, until I can keep inventory on the shelf that I'm kind of I'm, I'm my own bottleneck. I'm holding things up. So, well, you you want to you know from from what I can tell in just this this brief conversation is is you want to you want to put out a really quality product, yeah. um, and and you want to make sure that it's affordable uh, for, for for the people who want to use it. So that way they're 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 not held back by a, a cost constraint to go out and explore and do the things they want to do. So incredibly admirable uh, and 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 exciting to kind of hear and, and learn a little bit about your story uh, and, and the way you approach it too. You know that was. As, as we approach these conversations, you know, we're, we're, we're thinking about off-roading and, and getting out. And, and it's so funny how it always comes back to, um, to just being a community, right. And, uh -huh. and, and being there for each other and, and, and kind of having, having something to, to pull people together, right. This whole world is full of so much division, right. How do we start to build, build bridges and, and, and bring folks together. And I love how these conversations end up getting into that too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all out here, you know, with the same goal of enjoying the outdoors and our vehicles. And I've never personally cared about what someone drives. It's all about the person behind it and having the same mentality. Unfortunately, being outdoors and involved in the outdoor industry and motorsports and as a whole, we tend to have similar wavelengths and click fairly well. And, um, you know, it's all, we're all fighting for the same, same battle. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, downhill mountain biking. I, I, I got to bring a little topic up about that. I'm a big mountain biker. So what's the, what are the, what are the places out where you're at where, where you do a lot of mountain biking? You know, I go to Tahoe pretty frequently. Um, I'll do biking up there, but even here in Chico, you know, we're fortunate to have uh, upper Bidwell park, which is like one of the biggest parks in the U S actually it's, it's massive. It's got a lot of single track and it's not quality single track. It's really like sharpen your skills, single track to mm -hmm. rock gardens and, 
lava rock and all that so it beats you and your bike up a lot but it's it's great you know if you can ride fast here then you can ride fast in a lot of places so um, I spend a lot of time just in my backyard and got a lot you know Santa Cruz obviously is always a good place to go and up north um, there's a handful of spots too kind of on the California Oregon border um, yeah there's there's a plethora of areas around here to ride so it's just a matter of getting the time to get out there and do it right right yeah that's I uh I, I had a, a slew of meetings all day today and about 1 32 o'clock I saw a, a break and and I went to it, our our local trail that's what you're talking about kind of the work trail like you go yeah. there to work you don't go there to really enjoy <laughs> enjoy yeah. your ride it's real rooty real rocky uh it's uh it's it's Jones Mill Mountain Bike Park but it's it's the only park around here that stays open because this time of the year uh it, it basically gets down below freezing at night and so the ground freezes, the moisture freezes in the ground, and then it thaws out about maybe nine or 10 in the morning, doesn't have enough time to actually evaporate before it refreezes again. Gotcha. And so I would say at least half of our mountain bike trails around here have been closed for a few weeks now, because once they get wet, they really don't have a chance to dry out. And unless you're going at, you know, 6am and you're riding in 30 degree weather on frozen ground, it's, yeah. it's, it's real difficult to get out and truly enjoy it. So the only uh, courses open around here right now are those, uh, those, you know, those work type courses, your, your flowy kind of courses are, are, are going to be shut down because they want to preserve that trail for when the season actually comes back in. Yeah. Yeah. We've got a lot of that up here too. We're fortunate most of the soil up here drains pretty quickly. Also, you know, obviously being in the middle of a drought, we haven't really had to shut down any of the trails yet. Upper Bidwell is one of those that as soon as it gets any moisture on the ground, they shut down. So, um, but there's places like up in Redding, they've got a Swayze bike park, which is awesome. I'm part of Redding Trail Alliance. So once, once a month or so we get together and do some trail builds and work days and whatnot. And they've got a, a huge network of trails up in that area. It's just about a, probably like an hour from me. So not too far, but just far enough to where you can't really hit that after work, but the local mm -hmm. stuff still is, still is good. And I've got a couple of uh, locals only private trails that we've done some work on about 30 minutes outside of town that pretty much always flow. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how much moisture there is in the soil and how loamy it is. And, but it's, we're fortunate to have access to everything out here. And as far off the beaten path as Chico is, it still has a lot of uh, back home town feel, you know, I'm from San Luis Obispo and we've got a ton of trails down there right in our backyard, but Chico's got that slow town vibe as well. Uh, one, one question. I want to pop back over to the Prius stuff. I kind of have a little, little ADD, so I go all over the place. Yeah, um, you're in good company. <laughs> was 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 thinking about um, you know we see the rooftop tents. Are so are are, are y'all putting the rooftop tents directly on a Prius roof rack, or are you actually fabricating a roof rack to be able to 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 support those rooftop tents? So that's not actually us. That's uh, just a customer has, has known that we helped a little bit, but um, we, we started building racks and was something that we looked into um, obviously like Prince you and all those, mm -hmm. we'd love to do something like that style, but I just don't want to get into the liability of drilling through a roof and having water leaks. And I mean, you've seen all the, the main companies have had those problems too, especially when they're first starting out. So for me, it's just a walk before you can run. And I want to focus on what I'm good at and that being something that I've never really dabbled in. I don't want to, go down that path just yet so we aren't actually doing anything that's all customer build similar to that the guy set up the winch winch deals and i think he just went to a standard roof rack and maybe supported it but um i haven't seen it up close since he got it done a couple weeks ago 
Nice. Yeah, I, I was looking at. I was, I was trying to look in and see. Um, I know uh, Stephen had a had a. a, a I think what, what did you did you have a roof rack build or did you take a roof rack and kind of had some things fabricated to it? Yeah. So uh, what I did was uh, in the LX 470s or 100 series line cruisers, you can tap into um, existing uh, uh, roof rack holes. Gotcha. Right. So. Um, what was low unfortunately for me i already had a pre-existing uh, factory roof rack so i pulled that off and actually one of our good buddies uh fabricated a rack for me and then i used um uh, another company's basically roof rack seat to mount that to the roof of the uh the vehicle and then obviously like sealed it with silicone or whatever yeah um, but luckily i was able to um, tap into existing holes so for me it was a little bit easier than actually i didn't have to do any sort of drilling I imagine drilling into a roof might be a little, little bit more uh, um, uh, nerve-wracking than <laughs> just dropping a bolt yeah. in there and saying Yeah, when we got our 2019, <laughs> you know, that was kind of my goal was to start fabricating uh, rooftop tent racks for those. And I just kind of went, man, this is a, mm -hmm. a big undertaking for myself. So I can't imagine how the average customer is going to feel doing it and the liability that comes along with it. So yeah. if we had an existing roof rack setup option on them, yeah, it'd be a lot more feasible, but they don't have it. And it's just sure. not something that I want to go down yet. Yeah, it makes sense. I yeah, know. and it's something super fascinating that, uh, um, you know, kind of what LJ uh, alluded to earlier was, you know, you kind of have the standard Jeep builds of Tacomas, the Forerunners, um, power, power Wagons now. Um, so you've kind of adopted a 100% on-road vehicle, right? That's mm -hmm. kind of the, the uh, inception of a Prius, right? It's combat... Um, growing fuel costs and, and uh, these large SUVs and say, okay, well, this is just going to be a road only vehicle. So I think it's just absolutely fascinating that you've adopted this, this road vehicle to go off-road now. So, and in that same kind of mindset, a lot of um, manufacturers are going towards electric vehicles, right? And Prius is being, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, they've been somewhat of a hybrid, right? And I don't know if it's from Gen 1 until now, they've always been hybrids or uh, kind of the hybrid um, aspect came in at a later generation. But um, it, it's, I want to kind of pick your brain on what you think, you know, having a vehicle that has a little bit of lift and you, and you take it off-road and you also see customers take that off-road. Um, how do you see kind of the evolution of um, whether it be 100% EV vehicles or EV um, rigs, versus kind of a hybrid like you got yeah you know i think um it's funny because we get a lot of people that don't have priuses and kind of go man why are you lifting a prius that's so pointless and you can't even go anywhere with it even with a lift and it's only an inch and a half and you know it's, it's not going to do well it's only two wheel drive but it's funny because there's relatively light vehicles you know three thousand pounds obviously isn't heavy they're front wheel drive so all the traction and weight are on top of each other mm -hmm. um and being front wheel drive, I've gone places in front wheel drive vehicles that my truck probably couldn't go. Um, Cause I've got, a, I've got a Silverado too, lifted Silverado and I use occasionally for hauling loads and whatnot, but 99% of the time mm -hmm. I'm driving the Prius, but I get videos from customers of them in places that Jeeps are stuck and four wheel drive trucks are stuck. And I'm like, man, it's not something that I want to promote or I uh, condone, but I'm like more yeah. hats off to you, more power to you. But uh, it's impressive to sure. see places they will go and, and you mentioned being hybrid you know having that electric torque too it's all bottom end it's all right off the get-go so getting up a yeah. hill or needing that torque on demand is right there instantaneous and it's kind of hard to beat so 
I'm a, I'm not to say like I'm, I'm pro electric vehicles entirely. I don't think it's something that I could do, especially with the distances that I drive. I don't think I could sure. set up in time my trips to stop three or four times and wait 45 minutes or an hour, however long it's going to take to charge. So it's not really for me yet. I'm sure as the infrastructure gets better and charging times get down and stuff like that, it'll become more uh, feasible and doable for everybody. You know, I look at like the Rivian, I think right now, if I were to buy an electric vehicle, it's probably what I would go with. And for Sticky Whips, mm -hmm. we kind of like semi-sponsor an event called the Rebel Rally, which is an all-female, like no electronics, yep. hardcore rally. You guys have probably seen it, but um, they had a Rivian mm -hmm. for the first time this year and it just looked like it did awesome. And it was cool to see them promoting that supporting it and you know kind of having them do the testing for them in some really really rugged situations and terrain and all the reports so far look pretty darn good so i definitely think it's the future but i just don't think we're quite there yet so in the meantime sure. there's no downside to having a hybrid you know obviously if you don't aren't able to charge a vehicle which 90 percent of priuses aren't plug-in so they do have a plug-in option where you can plug it into a wall at your house and charge it overnight and drive solely on battery but uh, the majority of them are you know gas powered with a backup electric so um and that's what i have and that's pretty much all i'll ever have the new uh rav4 is one that i would consider doing like the prime model where it's got the plug-in just because a their mm. all-wheel drive setup is so much better it's got a much bigger motor um and they're fast they're like i think they're the second fastest production vehicle that toyota makes now obviously outside of the supra uh, I think it's like zero to 60 sure. time or something like that. So they scoot, but it, they're just really hard to get a hold That's of right wild. now. Plug in too, so. <laughs> but it's cool to see, you know, what's where the future's going and um, all the R&D that they're putting into these things. So I definitely think it's yeah, you know, not, not a matter of if, but when. That's interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't think about it, but that instant torque mm -hmm. with electric vehicles, I mean, that that's super, that's crazy helpful. Uh, off-road so uh, I, I don't know I love picking your your brain on on kind of that aspect of it because it is a unique build right I mean who would have thought hey let's throw a lift cook on a Prius and yeah. you know <laughs> let's see what happens I think it's incredible yeah I definitely still get a lot of people that hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and like this is a, a joke site right this isn't a real thing and like no we're, we're the real deal you know I'm like oh, there, there can't be any demand for it I'm like, well I don't know my sales prove otherwise so until that stops I'm gonna keep doing it it's amazing <laughs> that's great Stephen do you have any other questions uh as as we're starting to kind of get here to the to the top of the hour yeah so um you, I would imagine you're kind of a pioneer in this, in this uh, lifting Priuses, right? I mean, I can't imagine, you know, Chaos Off-Road doing anything like this or Metal Tech or any of those big brands. Um, so what sort of like gotchas or lessons learned that you, that you kind of have come across um, while you built your first lifted Prius that, that maybe, you know, future lifted Prius owners can, can kind of consider um, is there anything that, that really sticks out in your mind? You want me to give away my trade secrets, huh? See how it is. <laughs> no, no, what you're saying is like your lift kit solves all those problems, right? That's yeah, right. <laughs> there's definitely uh, been some roadblocks that I've run into. You know, when I first started coming from the trucks, especially like you look at something like an inch and a half and you're like, that's not even going to be noticeable, but it's such a different scale as opposed to mm -hmm. lifting a full size truck, you know, yeah. it's an inch and a half on a Prius makes a significant difference. It's comparable to like a three inch or four inch lift on a truck. 
So when I first started out, it was like, oh, I'm going to do a three inch lift. And I quickly found out like that is way too big for the previous and overstressing all the suspension, <laughs> you know, CV axles and sure. all that. So I stepped it down to two inches. And even then I was kind of like, man, this is on the cusp of where I'm not comfortable with long-term reliability and longevity mm-hmm. of parts and overstressing things. So that's why I stepped it down. It's technically like 35 millimeters, but um, it's right about that inch and a half mark. So, and that's where everything basically works is OEM equipment should um, doesn't overstress everything. I've put probably 160,000 miles on my Gen 3 Prius now lifted and haven't had a single issue. I'm literally on original brake pads. I mean, that blows my mind. Like they're just such a bulletproof vehicle. Not beaten. I mean, and I, and I drive that car hard, obviously having to test all of our products and the places I go, it gets the snot driven out of it. And I'm not proud of the lack of maintenance that I've done for it, but I've kind of had the mentality of like, you know, I've taken such good care of all my other vehicles and they've still had problems. I'm going to see what happens when you don't do anything and just drive it. And so far, knock on wood, it's doing pretty darn good. Wow. That's, oh, that's, that's amazing. That's a good comparison. I, I didn't think about ha- asking the question of how many miles have you, have you tested those things out with? That's, that's yeah. incredibly impressive because even so the, uh, the yeah. cruiser, you, you really can't lift it more than three inches, honestly. If you start lifting it more than three inches on, on and the, the front end, you end up having major issues with uh, steering racks uh, completely just blowing up on you. And then CV axle angle, you have an issue with that too. So even with a with a two and a half inch lift, which is what's most common for a Land Cruiser, you, you're, you're advised to do a diff drop and add a couple other things to help that geometry get back to what was, what would be closer to stock. Yeah. And so, um, you know, you think, I think of like the silver autos, obviously you can't even put a 35 on them without a six inch lift. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, I got, I got, I got a, uh, Chevrolet variant here where, and, and it's a square wheel wells, right? Like, why would you not make yeah. a wheel well round if a wheel's going inside of it? But <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> If you need to get on the gym board and start changing things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it's, you, you talk about those big lifts. It's, it's funny thinking, you know, here in the, the, the similar things you're talking about that we have the challenge with land cruisers, but yet you've, you put so many miles on the, on, on yours and you still haven't seen any issues with CVs or steering racks or anything like that, though, that we, we normally see when we go higher than a, than a, than a two and a half inch lift. Yeah. And, you know, a large part of that could be the fact that we set the bar at that inch and a half and didn't try mm-hmm. and overstress everything. Cause even just, just above mm-hmm. that inch and a half, you start to run into like CV axle bind on the passenger side because the longer axle shaft coming out of the, um, the transmission. So it's, um, it's definitely been a learning curve and that took us, you know, a lot of prototyping and testing and okay, this works, this doesn't work, combine this and finding the right camber and caster too is, is one thing that we put a lot of R&D into doing on uh, SolidWorks and CAD and trying to make sure that it was right. Um, you know, a lot of the, there's one more company mm-hmm. that's out of like Germany or Russia or something like that, that offers a spacer for the Prius but they don't do any camber caster adjustment. And so you have to get cam bolts in order to correct the camber because there's no factory Mm. adjustments. Um, And they're just, they're made out of plastic and they fall apart all the time, come apart on people. And that's the one piece that holds that strut assembly to your vehicle. So when that falls apart, it's catastrophic. So that's why Mm -hmm. I really wanted to branch away from what they were doing with plastic and start doing metal where, you know, we've got a lifetime warranty on our parts to where if you break one of our kits, you're in a lot more problem than uh, a lot more trouble than the kid itself yeah. you know you probably get a total vehicle or more so um that's definitely been a learning curve and just making sure that we don't have to ever cut corners or question whether it's strong enough or not uh, has really been kind of my focus with these yeah 
That's, that's, I mean, it's, it's incredible that you said you did 165,000. Cause I know some, some companies, especially like the stage three or four, and I'm not going to name names. You need a rebuild kit for the, yeah. you know, I mean, it, after like 20, 30,000 miles. So you're saying that you've done 165,000 on, on your, and it's less than, oh, I say less, it's right at $300. Like that, that just still blows my mind that yeah. you're able to come in at that price point and create a quality product um, that, that, that is first, I would imagine, one of the first in the industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely in the States. And like I said, I think we've got a lot, a lot of different standards of uh, what can be put mm-hmm. on the road in Russia versus what can be put on the road here in the States. And I'm surprised that no one's done this yet. You know, when I first started, it was kind of like, I can't believe no one else is doing this. Like, you got to be kidding me. But then again, it just yeah. it seems so far-fetched in the first place. I can kind of understand why no one has, but so far so good. I'm really happy with the results and the feedback. And it's been a really cool, like you mentioned earlier about the type of people with the off-road industry and priest people really aren't all that different. I mean, I've got a big background in customer service and I owned a restaurant before I directly did this when I moved up here and um, dealing with the public. And I tell you what, everybody with the priest is so far has been awesome and um, so friendly and so open and welcoming. And it's just been a really cool group of people that I think kind of gets a bad label and a stigma with them of, you know, being tree huggers and, you know, kind of uppity and, and whatnot. Sure. So yeah. <laughs> and which not yeah. to say, I mean, we, uh, we worked out a deal with one tree planted. So every kit that we sell, we also donate a, for a tree to be planted, um, which. Oh, that's cool. You know, I love kind that. Of a cool thing. And um, whether you're, you know, blue or red i think everybody likes to put a little little green out there so sure. i'm all four trees and Absolutely. the biological guy actually i'm adopted <laughs> and he his life goal if you will is to plant a tree for every day he's been alive so he's kind of a kind of a hippie and oh, lives man. out in the hills and builds tree sure. houses and whatnot but uh that's kind of like my way of carrying on that legacy a little bit so oh that's so awesome to hear i mean it, you're right it's, it's kind of whether you drive a prius wankers or forerunner yeah. We all love being outdoors, right? And and if and you're you are contributing back to you know your time spent outdoors um, by doing that that uh, plant a tree for every kid that you sell. That that's just something um, that's so cool to, to hear. Yeah, I figure one of these days when I get that winch set up and I can hook to one of those trees that I got. One of those trees, uh... <laughs> Full circle, right? Exactly. Yeah. Pay it forward. That's amazing. Just make sure you have a tree saver on it. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh me well guys we're, we're coming up on time uh eric i want to just thank you man this was a phenomenal conversation um you you've got me thinking about priuses in ways i'd never even considered a, a prius uh which is which is you know while we try to have these conversations right challenge the stigma let's 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 see uh mm-hmm. what else we we, we we can use to get out and enjoy and, and like you said at the end of the day, it's just getting out and enjoying it and being a community. And so um, I talked to my friends and I talked to my wife. It's like car people are car people, right? Like, yeah. and, and you know, you yep. could be a, a Land Cruiser <laughs> person, you could be a Prius person, you could be a Dodge person, but at the end of the day, you're all car people. And, and I think that's what brings brings all of us together is, is just that love of adventure, love of travel um, and, and love of being able just to get out and not need to have a ton of stuff to be able to make it work, right? And I think you're, uh, you, you've hit it on the head here and you're putting out a great product, building a great community. And I think that's, that's super incredible, man. Thanks for, for joining us. And uh, thanks for telling your story. Um, and uh, if y'all are, if y'all are interested, um, I'll, I'll make sure I, I get his information uh, and reach out to us. If y'all want to get in touch with Eric or uh, he's also at Prius off road on Instagram. Um, 
we'll, we'll, we'll give you some, some contact info, not over the, the live <laughs> communications here. So we don't get hit with spam, but, uh, but if, if y'all are interested, let us know and, and we'll be sure to get you connected up uh, with Eric. So that way, if you want to get your Prius lifted, you could uh, get with the expert and, uh, and figure out how to get it done. Right on. And when you guys get tired of that 10 miles per gallon, you know where to, where to give me a call and get a hold of me and I'll make you uh, make you a deal. A salesman after my own heart. <laughs> I'm already on auto trader looking at all Priuses. Yeah, right. <laughs> Eric, thanks, man. I appreciate the time you spent with us, man. It's, it's been super enlightening for, uh, I know for LJ and I, it's, it's just such a cool platform. Plain and simple. Absolutely. It's been like a pleasure. I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, of course, man. It was, it, was a, it was a fascinating conversation with someone that's leading the way in lifted priests. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Definitely. Well, hey, we're going to sign off here. Uh, hope you all enjoyed the conversation. And uh, we're going to actually, Steve, Jeff, and I will be having our normally scheduled Tuesday night conversation tomorrow. So this week you get two episodes of Bankrupt Overland. We're going to double our productivity this week. I'm pretty pumped about it uh, as we're getting, we're getting started off here. Um, but, hey, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, everyone.